Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. I'm speaking with Ashley Carmen, my colleague from Vox Media. She works at The Verge, and she covers podcasts for a living. So guess what we're going to talk about today? Hi, Ashley. Hey. It's the end of the year. We made it. We made it through 2021. How'd you do? Miraculously, we are all still here. Yes. It's, how's your, it's how's your health? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Although this new variant, man, tests me. It tests me. Yeah. Test a lot. Um, I, I, <laughs> I have a lingering COVID, I think. So that's, that's one of the reasons oh, I sound so nasty here. Um, but, but enough about me. Let's, let's talk about podcasting. Um, like I said, you cover this for a living. You write about it for The Verge. You also have taken over the Hot Pod newsletter from Nick Kwa, uh, which you guys should be reading if you're not already. You probably are if you listen to this podcast. Um, can you sum up the year in podcasting for me in a pithy sentence or an idea or a mood board? What's your what's what's the takeaway from the last year? Can I give you some words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll go with frothy. We'll go with multi-million dollar deals. We'll go with exclusivity and we'll go with subscriptions. I'm just throwing out buzzwords of the year. Yeah. So frothy, I think we know what that means. It's funny because sometimes people in podcasting, a lot of people who are sort of outside of podcasting and or skeptical about it, like we had Justin Smith, uh, the CEO of Bloomberg Media on it, look at it and go, look at all the money going into podcasting and there's a podcasting bubble. It's pretty small. Um, by the standards of, of most bubbles and even media bubbles. But but when you say frothy, what do you mean? I mean, lots of investment happening in the space pretty quickly. Multi-million dollar deals. There was a Smartless deal this year, Amazon. Facebook's getting into the space and investing in it. Spotify continues to spend. So just a lot of investment happening, particularly on the tech company front and acquisitions as well of actual companies. I believe Art19, Amazon acquired this year. Um, I mean, maybe that was the, yeah, I believe that was this year. I can't even keep them straight anymore. And um, yeah, I was just looking up the Wondering Amazon deal. That technically happened in, in 2019. Wondering Amazon was last year. Yeah. And then I believe Art19, their hosting service was this year. But um, we had Sirius acquire. Yeah, Art19 is a, is a B2B company. But, but most of these deals are, are people buying talent, right? Either they're buying the rights to, to produce shows, they're buying show producers themselves. Fox Media has done that. Is that mostly what we're thinking about? Yeah, shows, a lot of shows, also the tech. Um, yeah, so definitely. And again, the, the big picture here has been for a while, I think kind of unchanged, which is people who are enthusiastic about the business prospects of podcasting say something to the effect of, 
Lots of people are listening. The number of people listening has grown a lot over the last few years. The business itself is still relatively modest, but that's growing. And we assume that the dollars are going to follow, not the eyeballs in this case, but but the ears, that as, as listening habits change, eventually ad dollars will flow to it more significantly, and then maybe now there's a subscription business. Is that, does, is that still the, the, the primary thesis of podcasting? Yeah, I think there's a couple things going on. Like you mentioned, the attention economy stuff is big. Um, I think obviously with the pandemic, all the tech companies have realized that you're eye time, your display time is kind of maximized at this point. You might switch out for Fortnite instead of Netflix or whatever you're going to do, but like it's kind of accounted for. They're recognizing that your ear space is widely available to them. Granted, we're probably not commuting as much, but like you could find some time on your daily walks or whatever. So they're all fighting it out for that. I also think there's this moment where, again, we've seen Facebook as a prime example, shove advertising into every single aspect of their app and suite of apps as much as possible. And they're running out of places to shove it. So now they're recognizing like maybe podcasts are an opportunity for us to continue to expand our advertising offerings. So you can kind of see two different incentives there, but pretty much in the same vein. And again, the the the, the business itself is still tiny. Last year in, in 2020, it was still under a billion dollars. Um, it's that's literally a rounding error, error for a Facebook or a Google. Um, I think they're projecting a couple billion dollars in, in, in a few years. What needs to happen to bring more advertising money into podcasting? Is it just advertisers getting more comfortable with it? Do some things have to happen structurally? Yeah. So I think the thing that we've seen most companies kind of move toward, or at least what they think will be key is programmatic advertising. Um, and it's, it's a topic I'm really thinking about lately. But basically what we're seeing is these tech companies move away from the host-read ads that kind of made podcasting what it was, the promo codes, the Casper mattress stuff that we all are very well aware of, and instead be like, what if we can just package all these podcasts together and you buy impressions like you do with display advertising and do audience targeting? And I think that scale is really what people are aiming for and hoping that that helps make podcasting more lucrative because you could just do a lot more all at once. Whether that will work, I don't know. We could talk about it, but that is definitely like the bigger goal. Let's stay on that for a second because the the move in podcast, that the hope in podcasting for several years has been, we want to make it more like web advertising where we know mm -hmm. who you are, what you're doing, what you've listened to, where you came from. We can target this stuff to you automatically. Um, in maybe even a creepy way. And then meanwhile, in, over in web advertising, pushed primarily by, by Apple um, and some other players, there's a move away from that, away from targeting and knowing everything about you to a more sort of generalized, well, we know you're listening to this podcast, so you probably like this stuff, but we don't know much more else about you. Do people in the podcasting business recognize the, the dissonance between what they want to do and sort of where the general digital ad market is? <laughs> you know... I think they must. I mean, you have really like, you do have two different factions in podcasting. You have a very vocal faction that is like, why are we moving towards this? The host read ads were great. I don't want to give my data over. Plus right now, podcasting's main data source is IP addresses. And like Apple has done some IP address hiding um, with their most recent iCloud offering. Um, so like people speculate that could come over to Apple Podcasts. 
So you have that faction who's very vocal and is like, this is stupid. Let's not do this. Let's not ruin what podcasting is. But then you have the other faction, which is probably motivated by dollars, let's be real, and are like, hey, we want this industry to be bigger. You like making podcasts, right? The only way you can keep making podcasts is if people make money off them. So let's just do the data sucking up. Let's do it the best that we can. And let's try to get more advertisers in here. Of course, Apple Podcasts is one of the biggest apps that exists for podcasting. So they there might be a world in which they kind of stay away from that and don't share data. And then you have the other apps who kind of do. So I have a, I imagine that'll splinter. I'm personally struck, you know, when you're so used to ignoring web ads, you can flip past them, you can block them, you can just sort of mentally block them out with your mind. And it's also very easy to skip across a a podcast ad, obviously, although you should not skip past the ads for this fine podcast. Um, I do notice, though, when the ads break, when they're broken, it's so much more noticeable Mm -hmm. to me when I'm listening to someone um, who's reading a podcast ad about the fact that it's May of 2021 and we're coming out of the pandemic. And I think, oh my gosh, like neither you nor the advert, no one has even bothering to, to check on this, on this advertising copy. You're just going through the motions here. Or periodically I get uh, an ad that's dynamically inserted um, and it's in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. Um, and again, you know, this happens all the time on the web. They, you get served up ads that mean nothing to you and are for the wrong person or the wrong language. Um, it's, it's, it's so much more striking um, when, it, when it comes through your ears. I, I think it's just the novelty of it. Um, is there anyone who's, who's really doing a good, innovative job at figuring out how to deliver the right ad to the right person in a way that makes everyone happy, including the listener? <laughs> well, one, I just want to say that this is an ongoing discussion in the industry is, like you mentioned, display. we're so used to display ads being crappy. Like somehow I feel like we've all evolved to just ignore them almost. And even on TV, I mute. If I ever watch TV, I mute it. Like, you know, I, I operate in a world in which I just try to avoid the ads. And in podcasting, it was such a it was so synonymous with the industry that people are very, very sensitive to it. And so I think that industries continue to talk about how they maintain that integrity while also growing. Who's doing it well? I mean, I think it's very early days. You have a lot of companies who are trying to do it. I actually am working on a story that will hopefully be out very soon about programmatic gone wrong. I don't know. I'm inclined to categorize it as growing pains, but at the same time, as we mentioned, display ads are so crappy that like, it could be growing pains or this just could be how programmatic goes. Um, and we just have to accept that for podcasting or fight against it, whatever. But like, yeah, I don't know if anyone's doing it to the point where I'm like, they have figured it out. They nailed it. Like Spotify is the most vocal one out there trying to make it happen. And I personally haven't heard great things. Yeah. So let's, I want to do a, a, an industry roll call with you and let's start with Spotify. Um, they are the one, Apple basically created podcasting. They didn't officially create it, but they're the ones who sort of made it popular and mainstream. But Spotify is the one that really kicked off the, the podcasting investing boom. Um, they spent well over a billion dollars buying up assets and talent and, and, and companies. They are the most bullish, I think, of all of the big tech slash institutional players coming in. Tell me what they're doing besides we know that we know they've hired Joe Rogan. They have deals with with big flashy names like the Obamas. Um, beyond that, what have they spent their year doing? So this year they continue to acquire. Yes, they also got this whole ad network up and running called the Spotify Ad Network. 
They acquired Megaphone, I believe this was last year, which is a hosting provider and also ran its own advertising marketplace. The idea being, if you're a podcaster, you can join the marketplace. And yes, they will dynamically insert these ads for you and monetize your show. So Spotify got their version up and running. They tried to open it up. Or they are opening it up to some anchor creators. I don't know the threshold at which they will anchor monetize. Anchor is, is Spotify's Roll Your Own podcast. It's their version yes. of, of blog blogger for for uh, Google, and, and if you if you're that old, remember that that era, right? It's their yeah DIY podcast technology that lets you make a podcast, and so they're letting some of those folks access the ad network, and really they they made programmatic a top focus this year. So that just started, which is why I feel like that's a storyline I'm starting to poke at and hear more about because it kind of just really widely started to become available. And this is what people in and outside. Spotify say they think the company's future really is. Yes, they have Joe Rogan and big names, and you might tune in for those exclusives. But what they're really hoping to do, because they're a tech company, is to have a tech company like Strategy, where they have a big distributed network of podcasts they make, podcasts other people make, podcasts on other platforms, and they're just sort of automatically serving ads into them This in the way that um, Facebook has done in the past, that Google certainly has done, um, where they're not dependent on hiring podcasters to make podcasts, to make money from podcasting. Right. And so, yeah, a few more things I want to know is, right, it's all about the scale, trying to make that happen. The other things they focused on this year were, were subscriptions. So they allowed Anchor folks to offer subscription podcasts and they're actually working with other platforms like supporting cast, which is kind of like offers subscriptions for podcasts. And I believe Acast as well, memberful to make their subscription platforms work within Spotify, which is pretty cool. Um, and the other thing that they did do, which I should have mentioned at the top, is they bought a huge audiobook company <laughs> and started getting into the audiobook business, which is a little different from podcasts, but obviously speaks to the audio stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I kind of think the distinction between a, an audiobook and a podcast is pretty slim to begin with, is totally going to go away, right? It's something you listen to, yeah. you can pay for it, there could be ads, it kind of doesn't matter that much. Um, when Spotify got into podcasting, they initially said, look, the main, we, we want to do a couple things here. We want to bring in new listeners and subscribers. We want to keep the existing subscribers. We think that if they listen to podcasts, they're that much less likely to to stop subscribing or stop listening. A little lower down the list, they said, you know, they were less, less boastful about this, but the idea that this is a cheaper way for them to create audio than it is to license music. So that hopes that overall margins. And then more recently, they've been saying, hey, by the way, there's ad money we can make here. Um, what's your sense of how they're performing on all those different vectors? Are, are they bringing in new listeners? Are they keeping the ones they've had? Are they making money from advertising? They say it's all going well. Um, I don't doubt, I have heard that their Spotify ad network is selling well. I've heard it's pretty like full actually. And the inventory people want is being taken. I've heard that. So I don't doubt it. The question, I, the bigger question that I think we don't know the answer to is how well are they monetizing the smaller shows? Because monetizing Joe Rogan shouldn't be that difficult. He's the cash cow. It was happening before her. Like, if you can't monetize that show, I don't know what show you can monetize. So the bigger question for me is how well they're monetizing the smaller shows. And that, I think, remains to be seen. I did a report last January or February about how Anchor sponsorships tool, which was meant to give Anchor creators host-read ads, was being buoyed by Spotify itself. Like, most of the ads they were reading were for Spotify or Anchor. So... That's kind of the last I had heard about that. It's been almost a year. Meaning there's no ad money coming in. 
it's, <laughs> right. it's, so it's, I should it's probably just do Spotify running its own ad network. Okay. Yeah. So I should do another check-in. But um, as far as that goes, right, that's a little trickier. As far as the listeners, they say they're gaining more podcast listeners, more people are listening to podcasts. Um, one thing I will say is I also did a report this year about Joe Rogan's audience. And it was it's a, it's a long, complicated way I did it. But basically, I looked at the followings of his guests and how many followers they received before when he before he was exclusive, how many followers they received when they went on the show, and after he went exclusive, how many they received. And it seems like that number dropped by 50%, suggesting that potentially his audience significantly dropped when he went to Spotify. Right. So, so to sum up, when he moved to Spotify, went exclusive. He A lot of his uh, listeners were, were listening on Apple, and a lot of them were listening on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. They could no longer do that. You don't need to have a Spotify subscription to listen to him. You just need to listen to him on, on the free app, correct? Correct. But but even that move seems to have cut his audience way down. Yeah. The, the thing I was surprised by when I wrote that piece is I was like, oh, gosh, like I'm getting a lot of haters. I'm writing about Joe Rogan. It's the Internet. You never know what you're going to get. But what I found actually is a lot of his audience was really upset that he went exclusive. I think it's kind of this like strong current in podcasting, which is sort of like libertarian, open system, open RSS, all that, and him flying in the face of it. So I do think quite a few folks did not follow him over. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Ashley Kerman from The Verge. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And we're back. Let's go through some of the other big players. Apple made what we initially thought was going to be a really big splash, I think in retrospect, uh, has been less impactful than we thought. Tell, tell us what Apple did this year. Apple's big move, maybe its biggest move in podcasting to date, it launched subscriptions on its platform, which means that Podcasters can now have an in-app button that listeners can press to subscribe, pay money to listen to their show. The language gets trickier, not follow, subscribe, pay. So this was big because obviously in-app button means less friction. You're putting this button in the face of many people who listen, possibly on the biggest podcasting app in the world. It's a global feature. And yeah, this... I do think this was a big deal. I think it was a big deal because it starts to change the culture around podcasting from a thing that is free to maybe something you pay for. And I just think Apple is one of the companies that can make that happen. Like they've got us all to wear AirPods, you know? So here's there's the important distinction, right? So when Apple sells an AirPod, it makes all of the money from the AirPod. Mm -hmm. Apple is not selling its own subscriptions, right? It's not selling an Apple. It's not selling no. a version of Apple TV Plus. It's allowing me or you or anyone else who wants to to sell a subscription, and then they would take a small cut of that fee, right? They take a cut, right? And you have to pay. I think it's like ten dollars a year or something like that, M maybe more. Um, you have to pay though every single year to be able to use the feature. So they're monetizing right. the creators versus monetizing the listeners. Okay, but even if if they're monetizing the creators, it's a tiny sliver of revenue at most. Do you for years Apple has said both in in words and in deed, we don't think 
podcasting is a business that's interesting to us. We're not, we're, it used to, their podcasting business used to be a guy. Now there's a few people there. Um, they've spent some money doing some exclusive podcasts, but, but nothing significant. And this business that they've created, um, at least right now, is not a business for for someone of Apple's size. Do you think they finally, uh, do you think that at some point they're going to turn the spigot on and say, now we think this is a real revenue opportunity in the same way that music and television and even, frankly, search ads are for them? Or do you think this is still a sidelight of a sidelight? I think right now, most of podcasting is still an ad business. And I don't necessarily, I mean, there's been you know talk of Apple getting to the advertising game I just don't know if they're ready to go full-blown into that. And I think until podcasting, they see more movement where you can monetize through subscriptions or something else, I think they're going to stay out of it. Facebook and Amazon have both dipped their feet into podcasting and audio. Amazon's been there for a while because they had, uh, they've had Amazon Music um, and, and they've also had Audible, the ebook company. They've owned that for a long time, but it looks like they have stepped in. Um, is this a toe in the water or, or are they really in this business now? Amazon says they're in it. I spoke to the head of podcasts over at Amazon Music and he told me they're thinking about this on a decade-long timeline. So According to him, they are in it to win it. They've made some acquisitions, like we mentioned. So that, to me, suggests like some seriousness. But granted, a you know multi-million dollar acquisition from Amazon is like a drop in the bucket, but still, I think it's something. Facebook is more interesting. I I always expect Facebook to pivot away at any moment, so I'm not holding my breath. But I do think they might see some potential here to monetize podcasts and host them on their platform, and also just keep people's attention from going anywhere other than Facebook. So Amazon, for sure. Facebook, I'm always skeptical, but I do think they see opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Facebook, when they've done audio, it's been part of an overall, we're interested in the creator economy um, line of line of, of talk, at least. Um, it goes hand in hand with them doing a, you know, a clubhouse ripoff. It, it goes hand in hand with doing a Substack ripoff, or I can say homage if we don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> um, it's unclear whether they think audio is is a really big deal. It's certainly not the metaverse, right? You can sort of tell just by the way <laughs> okay. they've they've spent their time and money making announcements um, that audio was like a one day announcement and metaverse was a multiple day rollout. And apparently they just paid sixty million dollars for a, a URL as well. A couple companies that aren't tech companies and don't get written about very much, except. For we, by you, frankly, um, <laughs> iHeart and Sirius, um, existing big audio companies, avoided podcasting for a very long time. I like to tell a story about how uh, when Kara Swisher and I were interested in podcasting, we went and talked to Bob Pittman, who was running iHeart. Uh, I think it was called Clear Channel at the time. He said, "No, podcasts suck. Don't do those. You should. You guys should do terrestrial audio." Uh, and we did that. For That's a amazing. <laughs> um, but they're now in it. Um, tell us what they're doing. What they're spending money on iHeart is all about scale. They are basically trying to either create or license or work with creators to just build like the biggest podcast network. They've launched some diverse networks as well. Like they focused on the Latinx market and the black audience market. Um, so they, they're, they're, you know, doing a lot. <laughs> Sirius acquired Stitcher and Earwolf, comedy network for Earwolf, Stitcher, kind of just a story name in podcasting, which included mid-roll as well. And they're really just, 
I mean, I gotta be honest with you, I'm not totally clear on the vision there, but they're trying to do something with podcasting. I think the all the companies you see, I should also mention here, Odyssey, formerly Entercom, acquired a while back, Pineapple and Cadence 13. So they also have a podcast thing happening. I think broadly, you just see radio companies trying to find a way to bring their ad rates and their advertisements to on-demand podcasting. Like, it just makes sense that they're going to try there. It seems like this has been a very good couple years if you are a podcaster with any kind of track record uh, creating one big show, several successful shows that you are in high demand from all of these companies. And by the way, even even our employer, Vox Media, is looking to buy people who have assets like this, like they acquired mm-hmm. Preet Bharara, uh, the former attorney general of, the, of New York, uh, earlier this year. He's got a successful podcasting company. Vox Media bought that. They bought Criminal Productions, uh, a small company out of North Carolina. I hope I, hope I got the right country. Sorry, right state um, <laughs> when I announced them. Are there people left to be acquired? Um, or, or are we sort of reaching, have we sort of, has everyone scoured every possible uh, successful podcaster and acquired them? You know, I'm always surprised every day by new new deals that come into my inbox or that I hear about. So it seems like there's still more to happen, whether it's recruiting new big names. Like just for example, I know Quentin Tarantino is working on a podcast with Earwolf. That's a name that, you know, maybe he'll have like guaranteed listeners potentially. Guaranteed Um, listeners. I think that's, that will be, uh, I don't even think that podcast I think that's just one long stream of him talking. I don't even think it's like he <laughs> right. will never stop talking. Yeah, so I don't know. But I'm just saying there are big names that aren't in podcasting yet. So theoretically, you could pull from there and hopefully get an audience. Um, as far as the indie shows, I mean, a lot of them, yeah, have kind of made their decisions. I imagine if they aren't already either giving their ad sales to other companies to handle, they're at least in talks for acquisition things. I think everyone's already discussing this, like if they haven't already made some sort of final decision. You also see shows shutting down. Call Your Girlfriend just decided to end their show. Um, that was the Barstool saw... production? No, no. No, I'm sorry. I'm confusing. I'm confusing the girlfriend stories. All right. My, oh, my apologies. Yes, yes, yes. No. <laughs> yeah, now you got me confused. Yes. No, no. They, they were just an indie show. Um and then 99% Invisible, Roman Mars's company was also acquired by Sirius. I should note another big indie name. So, And by yeah, the way, I that's think- that that one, like if you want to tell a story about sort of the evolution or something of, of podcasting, that it's not just that's not just a show that got acquired. Right. That's that's a uh, we had Roman Mars on the show. That was a, a nonprofit podcasting collective mm-hmm. sort of really existed in opposition to all of the big corporate conglomerations. And then you saw the the founder of that saying, actually, I'm going to take a big chunk of money and, and go work for those guys after all. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, right. Everyone's either discussing or making these decisions now. Um, but again, I'm always surprised by the deals that happen and the poaching and all that. Let's go back to Spotify and, and Joe Rogan. Um, in general, they have, like I said, Spotify kicked off this this boom by acquiring Gimlet, and then The Ringer, Bill Simmons' company, Joe Rogan. They bought individual talent like Alex Cooper, who was Call Your Daddy. Sorry, that's why I was getting my, <laughs> my my lady podcast wrong. A couple different questions for you. One, what? How have those acquisitions gone? Are what are they getting for their money? Are they bringing? Are are those shows bringing in new listeners? Are they are they paying off for Spotify? Well, yeah, I mean that remains. The podcasters are getting a paycheck, a big mm-hmm. paycheck. So 
they're getting that. That's that's that. As far as what Spotify is getting, I mean, again, they're getting ad inventory because if they only had theirs and and a potential audience, um, like boom, maybe. But if they only had their small anchor shows and the RSS feed shows that don't monetize through them, like they have you know, not much to monetize. So they need these big shows to bulk up their ad inventory and really get advertisers to play ball with them. So there's at least that. As far as whether they're getting, you know, a whole new audience, they say they are, but I I don't know how much of these podcasters' audience are following them over. And then internally at Spotify, this is a tech company founded by a programmer, uh, classically was supposed to be a platform company, described itself as a platform company for a long time where it's it wasn't in the content business. It just happened to distribute content. It was matching content with buyers, whether they're subscribers or advertisers. And then it's gone ahead and, and started acquiring content. It is now a content producer, um, which puts it in a very different place operationally. Um, and we have seen them even prior to getting into podcasting struggle with, you know, what does it mean to have R. Kelly's stuff promoted on our homepage? And what does it mean to take that down? As soon as they bought Joe Rogan, everyone said, well, you know, Joe Rogan does controversial controversial commentary. How's Spotify going to handle that? Sure enough, he's gotten into, a, I don't know if trouble is the right word, but certainly generated a lot of headlines. Um, how is the company handling its transformation into at least partially being a content company? Um, I mean, I will say for the reporters who are maybe looking into this, I would say they haven't given much. They have a very blanket statement that they always put out about their terms. And like recently, actually, they issued a statement to me around this similar topic saying that they um, call in outside experts if necessary to help them make calls. This um, is this is whether it's usually a Joe Rogan related thing, right? When, yes, when he's yes. talking I, about I'm vaccines about Rogan. or whether he said something that's offensive to trans people. Um, right. And so yeah. they'll, they'll, sometimes they'll say he's just a guy who makes stuff. What, what do you want us to do? And then sometimes they'll tell you that they, they're bringing in people to to survey his content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to survey it, but like if there are reports that maybe something is misinformation or goes against their terms, they say they bring people in to double check in and make some decisions, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I don't think they're going to in any way <laughs> reprimand Rogan. It would go against their entire business practice to do so. They need him. He I, maybe needs them. I don't really think so. He doesn't need them. They need him, though. So... As far as how they're handling it, I mean, that's a that that's that's the extent of it. <laughs> they I mean, have a statement they put out, and yeah, Rogan does his thing. Right. So that's in terms of statements. I guess I'm just wondering, operationally, you know, they now have hired a whole group of people who are not really tech people; they're content people, and that's mm, often yeah. a different breed of cat. There have been stories you've written them about internally about about some of its employees being upset with Rogan. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that they have come to grips with what it means to be responsible for stuff, for content, for words, as opposed to just sort of matching matching other people's stuff with 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 partners? Um, I think they get it. It doesn't necessarily mean they care about it. Like, I think they understand why people. <laughs> criticize them, but I don't think it means that they necessarily are going to do anything. Um, and yeah, like along with that, I will say many of their 
internal networks have unionized that they acquired. So like Gimlet, I know Parcast is in negotiations, the Ringer unionized. So like, you know, they're dealing with that too. Like they are now a media company. I will be very curious in the coming years, months to see it's one thing to just like distribute and monetize programming. It's another to host it, which is what they're doing through Megaphone. And I know that they're hosting some of the, you know, more right-wing podcasts and some folks are talking about that. So I do wonder how that discussion also changes. We've spent half an hour talking about business, um, ad revenue. Um, podcasting is fun because it's fun, because it gives us pleasure when we listen to it. One thing that always strikes me when I talk about podcasting with smart people like you is, the formats seem pretty static and have been for some time. There's there's shows like this, two or more people talking to each other. Um, there are long-form narrative podcasts. There are true crime podcasts, which are, are eternally popular. Um, is anyone doing anything that's really novel and, and provocative in terms of messing around with the, the format itself or what a podcast could be? You know, the thing I will say where we've seen more trends lately is there's a ton of companies trying to figure out short form audio and that includes creators as well. Just trying to figure out kind of how to create the TikTok of audio. So like that, I know short form is just a buzzy area that people are thinking through and like how to get people to listen more and quickly. Um, There's been a lot more work around fiction podcasts, a lot more investment in fiction podcasts, which I think typically is a little bit of a tougher sell versus the chat show. But yeah, like broadly you know, chat shows work. (laughs) People like them. They're easy. You can also do many of them per week and it scales, if you will. So You know who doesn't like chat shows? You? Podcast. No, I love them. Podcast producers (laughs) hate them. They they turn up their nose at them. They think they're like the the lowest form. No one wants to work on them. They all want to make narrative podcasts. Fair enough. Although, you know, narrative costs money. We love you producers though. You're, you're the best. And by the way, I've made some narrative podcasts. They're fun. Um, what are you listening to for fun, Ashley Carmen? Let's let's go out on that note. Well, I do have to give the shout out to Pivot just because I am a big fan and I listen all the time, which is lame to admit on the show, but I'm going to admit it out loud just so everyone knows. Hooray um, for the Vox I, Media Podcast Network. I know, I have to. But the, the one show I listened to recently in the fiction world that I actually really enjoyed was from a company called Romcom Pods. It's a show called Showmance. So they're basically bringing romantic comedies to podcasting. And I really enjoyed it. And it was a fun, like, mental health walk listen. And the show I'm excited to listen to is from Bloomberg about the Enron (laughs) saga. You can understand my my weird overlapping interests here. Yeah, no, I got it. Romance, uh, corporate fraud, and Kara Swisher. (laughs) It's a good Venn diagram. Oh, sorry, Scott Galloway. Too. Don't want to ignore Scott. Um, Ashley Carmen from The Verge, you are excellent. I, unlikely that anyone listening to this is not subscribing to your newsletter, Hot Pod. But if you are not doing that, go rectify that. Um, Ashley, thank you. Um, thanks for making all the great content and enjoy the remaining days of 2021. You too. Thanks. Thanks again to Ashley Carmen. Thanks again to all my guests. Thanks again to everyone who's made this podcast, particularly Joel and Jelani, for the last year and years before that. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to all of you guys who listen. I love that you listen. I love that I get to do this for a living. Um, I love that I got to do this for all of last year, even though I still was recording most of my podcasts from home. Um, have a good year. 
Um, have a good end of the year. I think we've got cool stuff coming for you next year. Maybe even something super, super interesting. But I, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that more in 2022. 2022. Amazing. Okay. Enjoy, guys. Be safe.